0: hey there everybody uh thanks for tuning in welcome to another episode of the belated box office podcast this is of course the podcast where pat and jeff uh rate and review films even though we have certainly uh no business doing so uh we don't have the expertise or experience but you know we're looking to change that and just get a little more familiar with films so we're kind of uh getting some practice in reviewing films as well as uh kind of watching some films that have kind of been on our watch list for a little bit. Uh, my name is Pat, and uh, I am not joined by my regular co-host Jeff this time. He's, uh, he's got commitments elsewhere. He's got a little bit of, uh, like, a contracting work. Doing some demolition, tearing down a uh, commute local community center to put up a pollution factory. And uh, last I heard, he was kind of, um, he was being bedeviled by a group of plucky teens who uh kind of wanted to keep the community center up so uh we wish him luck we hope that he can uh he can avoid their their pranks and traps and and uh general tomfoolery and and uh complete his uh his demolition uh in the meantime i'm joined by a guest very excited to welcome this guest here today uh a writer an author um a Tish-spiration expert I think is how she'd uh, define herself and the the writer of the newly published uh Tish-spiration the art of surprising yourself I'm hoping I got that right so I'm getting a thumbs up so that's good so very excited to welcome for the first time uh good friend Tish McWebber hi Tish how are you
1: I'm doing great Pat thanks for having me
0: oh it's a pleasure delighted to have you uh thank you for doing this I know when uh when the, uh, plans for the pollution factory came up, um, I was in short order. I had to find somebody who I knew would be a good guest and you, you, came to mind as, you know, someone who I think would fit right in here. Uh, I don't know if you call yourself like a film expert or, uh, you're, you're an expert of many things, tishperation among them, um, uh, writing in general. Uh, I don't know if rating and reviewing films is, uh, is among your expertise or, or not.
1: I am, in my household, I have a husband that lives here with me, and in my household, I am the kinder, gentler movie enthusiast. I am not as critical on reviewing them, but I tried to watch Today's Choice with the thought in mind, watch it like a writer to see what I could come up with.
0: Ah, okay. Well, that's good. Okay, so you think you bit be, like between you and Roy like you're giving the the higher ratings to to, to films in general?
1: I generally don't tear them apart. <laughs> okay, you're not out to get Whereas them. <laughs> he's really he's critical on certain movies and you know, he gets frustrated by them a lot more than I do. I'm in there for the experience. So I enjoy movies and they have to be really bad for me to not like them. Yeah. Whereas
0: uh, he might be one of those people, like for a lot of people, that's, that's the fun. The fun is watching a movie and like just ripping it apart and thinking like, how can I just sink my teeth into this movie and really, really tear, tear open its flaws? Some people, some people a, get,
1: get off on that. I don't know. He's a really big fan of cinemasins. He likes to watch that and how it should have ended. Oh yeah, I love how it should have
0: ended. Stuff's great. Yeah. I'll watch. I'll watch a movie and think it's awesome, and then I'll watch how it should have ended, and and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that stuff did. All that stuff didn't make sense when you think about it. <laughs> um, yeah. Some. Sometimes I regret watching those because I'm like, oh, it's harder to like this movie now. <laughs> I feel like in my household, it's kind of like, um, with uh, with my marriage. I think I'm the one who's kind of more. I, I review things with more extremes. Whereas mm-hmm. I think my wife kind of just like sort of likes everything. Like most movies you watch, she, she'll be like, yeah, that was okay. <laughs> and I'll either be yeah. like, that was utter garbage or that was a masterpiece. And there's not a lot of middle yeah. ground for me. <laughs> but yeah, you're, uh, you're here to, I guess, definitely, um, you know, being a writer, um, come at, uh, come at, su- the the movie maybe from a different uh, perspective than than I would or or Jeff normally might. Um, you've got I don't, I don't know if you you want to talk about uh, how much you like to talk about yourself, um, but uh, but if you if you want to talk about uh, what you've got going on with Tispiration, maybe people listening aren't aware of what Tispiration is. So uh, for the uninitiated, how would you kind of summarize it?
1: Okay, I am. Still putting this all together, but tishpiration is defined as the art of surprising yourself. And it's not the end result so much as the feeling you get when you accomplish something that you didn't think you could do. That is the moment of tishpiration. And now I'm working, because I've written the book, I'm working on what comes next for tishpiration. And what I'm putting into play there is... I thought to myself in the last couple of months, I thought people really underestimate me. How can I stop people from underestimating me? And the answer kinda, I had a, well, duh" moment because it's pretty much from inside me. I have to stop underestimating myself. And once I do that, people are going to stop underestimating me because they're gonna see me doing more than I am now. And it's gonna be even better than I imagined. I have a business called Inspiration Creations, Inc., and it is based on graphic design. I'm creating workbooks for people and doing some social media graphics, collaborating with another author, Mary Orth Moss. If you follow Clubhouse, you might find her. She is called the Word wizard over on Clubhouse. and. She and I are working together to help other authors, and that's something that we're both passionate about, so it made sense for us to see if we could team up and get some things rolling to help us both help other authors and work on growing our own businesses at the same time.
0: Well, that's cool. That's really awesome. I'm uh, I'm a big proponent of people being, being kind to themselves. I think that's a lot of, like, uh, with... Uh, you know people being so plugged into the internet and putting themselves out there and getting constant feedback from you know from the, the horde, um, it's easy to kind of be down on yourself and and uh give yourself a hard time. Um, so it's not, it's nice that you gotta kind of have that have that uh put are kind of putting that message of of uh being good to yourself out there,
1: yeah, and it's something that. You know, I'm sometimes I'm the last one to figure out what the obvious answer is, and that's why I say it was kind of a dumb moment, because so many people do follow me and what I'm doing with Tishpiration, and they want more, and I had to figure out what that was. Another thing I'm involved with is I'm partnered with a clothing company, and so taking that and ta- taking people because when you want to have personal growth, you have to push through your fears, but that's scary. And not everybody is ready to jump in with both feet. Like I do sometimes. So what I'm working on now with the new website that's not ready yet, but it's coming for desperation is that I wanna work with people from the comfort zone. Instead of pushing through your fears, taking your big dream and breaking it down into reasonable steps so that when you get through the first step we have a celebration because it's all about supporting friends and i like to do my business inside of the friend zone which is often a place people don't think to look i think
0: that that's the third term friend zone has a, a connotation that most people don't <laughs> think of as positive these days
1: <laughs> yes and it's not involved with romantic relationships but in terms of business i'm trying to bring it up so that it is something that it can be a positive experience because i want to become someone who people do want to be friends with and that's how you get to work with me Is i need to get to know you first because not only do you need to know like and trust who you do business with but doesn't it make sense for me to do the same with the people who want to do business with me? And that's what I'm moving forward with.
0: Fantastic. Well, yeah, that's great. That's got nothing but positive reviews from me. I know there are a lot of people who, uh, who have glommed on to the message you're trying to spread with inspiration and a lot of people who could do well to uh, kind of welcome that positivity in their lives. And I know uh, about you is that you've got a lot of, uh, yeah, your your work's really multifaceted. So this um you know, it was a cool new endeavor from from what you've what you've done before. I know it's not your first book, and uh, I, I guess maybe it's presumptuous to say, but likely not the last.
1: Definitely not. Um, I wrote a short story, and I have short stories in five different anthologies. Four of them are in the same Fey realm, so they're completely fiction. Cool. And there's a running theme of talking cats somewhere in everything I write and it might even be the acknowledgments just as a hint. but I have built that from my first book and I'm carrying it with me in my writing. What I am working on right now is something I'm I kind of have a cat in it but not sure. It's based on the anthology, I wrote with the coffee house writers and the story is called candy. It is about a unicorn trapped inside a dragon's body. So it's a whimsical spin on a serious topic of some, someone not feeling right, right in their own body. And I had fun with it. It is whimsical, but I also had someone read it for sensitivity because in today's world that's something that is important to make sure that i'm not making assumptions that are incorrect or insensitive sure in my writing and that's something that i feel is very important when you're writing about a topic that doesn't affect you personally but being me i can imagine the feeling of what that would be like because of my own experiences i can kind of imagine what it's like to be in someone else's shoes even though i wouldn't necessarily 100 percent know I can write about it and that's something that I feel strongly is going to be my next book and it's going to be an expansion of that story and what happens after the short story that was featured in that anthology.
0: That sounds pretty rad for, I
1: mean, for many reasons. (laughs) It's a lot of fun to write.
0: Yeah, I imagine. And And it sounds like a a talking cat would fit right in there, by the way. Uh, Either a unicorn or a dragon or one trapped in the body of the other. Could uh, I think could really benefit from a talking cat sidekick. I don't think that would yes, be a bad place.
1: Don't know if that's going to be a standalone book or if it's going to be the fantasy trilogy I wanted to write. Because mm-hmm. that's what I'm a fan of reading is fantasy trilogies. So I would like to write my own. And I'm kind of meshing it with a story I wrote as a submission to a different anthology, which was rejected.
0: Oh, and boo. as an author, you
1: yeah.
0: as an no. author, you... Who rejected it? Let's get the belated box office army against them. Bo- hey, everybody, the belated box office army, both of you listening right now, stand up for, for Tish and this... Uh, and uh, we got to do something to...
1: Well, you know that positive spin thing?
0: Uh-huh. Did I, did I misread so, it?
1: So, I'm in an author group that does collect rejections to see who's going to win with the most at the end of the year. And that is to inspire us to make, submit more stories to keep. So that's one thing, you know, it's people are doing it for bragging rights. So they got the more submissions out, but when I got the rejection, it came with a lot of feedback that was very useful. And that's the good part about it because it gave me the information I got when I read You know, the feedback of the person that I knew wrote it, because I, you know, the writing community online can be small or large, depending on where you decide to hang out. And the person who wrote with the most insight on my stories, basically, it told me that my story was too big to be a short story. It was bigger than an anthology because they wanted more information. They didn't understand how all of the things that I wrote about came into play. So that meant they wanted more, and it was a submission to a story about dragons, so I'm taking that idea and trying to figure out how it works with the candy story to not only have a story built around a character, but to take her into a a world to write a trilogy.
0: Well, that's so a that's pretty, that's pretty good uh, quote-unquote negative feedback to get then is like, yeah. this is too good, and there's not enough of it. Um, yeah. But I think we'll maybe uh, stay away from uh, like all the, some of the stuff that you haven't... I know there are people listening that are kind of looking, looking to mine ideas out there, so I don't want you getting uh, plagiarized just for coming on this podcast no and sharing some stuff you had in the works.
1: No worries, and that candy story is already out there, so it's already been done. Yeah, too late. And what comes next? it's all up in my mind and it's, it's, I'm an overthinker. So I'm processing right now. And when it comes out, it's not going to be what anybody expects anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> It'll be totally different
1: because the art be of stuck
0: in a Griffin's body by the end of things and no one will see it coming.
1: The art of is something that I'm really good at as well. I've always said I'm full of surprises. So one of the, really cool things about it is that I am so good at it. I can surprise myself.
0: That's fun. Well, speaking yeah. of, uh, speaking of minds, I guess we can get on to the, yeah. get into the meat and potatoes of this episode. Um, it's not a good segue, but it's what I got. Um, of course we're here to, uh, to rate and review a film. Um, uh, and this week, uh, I'll hand it over to myself. This is usually when Jeff would ask me, what did we watch this week, Pat? I would answer, uh, this week, we watched A Beautiful Mind, uh, which was released in 2001 by Universal Pictures and uh, stars Russell Crowe, Ed Harris, Jennifer Connelly, Paul Bettany, and Christopher Plummer. Uh, It was written by Akira Goldsman and directed by Ron Howard. And it was based off uh, the book, of the same name, uh, by Sylvia Nassar. So, uh, Beautiful Mind is the story, uh, the true story of, uh, John Forbes Nash Jr., who's a 20th century American uh, mathematician, and the film, uh, follows him and his, uh, his story beginning with his, uh, career in grad school at uh, Princeton University, and, uh, meeting his, uh, his wife, Alicia Larday lopez Harrison, and uh, culminates in him finally winning the Nobel Prize uh, in 1994. Uh, but along the way, uh, Nash is uh, diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and experiences a number of uh, delusions and hallucinations uh, that uh, center around some imaginary people. They include uh, a, a roommate, an imaginary roommate that he had at grad school, Um, that he wasn't aware was not real, as well as a secretive uh, government agent who he believes has recruited him to decipher uh, secret Soviet messages while he's working at MIT. Uh, So throughout the film, Nash's delusions and his uh, paranoia begin to manifest uh, in a lot of ways, such as believing he's the target of assassinations from uh, the Soviet Union, and it strains his personal and professional uh, life uh, until he's eventually committed to a psychiatric facility, and eventually, through treatments and medication, he learns uh, to manage his illness. Uh, he gets his career back on track uh, by auditing some courses at Princeton and eventually gets back to teaching, after which he is uh, the film ends as he's lauded as a Nobel laureate. So it's, uh, it's a true story of The Gentleman, but, uh, but mostly based on uh, this book uh, by, uh, like I said, by Sylvia Nassar, which is just a biographical account of his life, obviously, and so we knew i, I kind of had a feel it was your idea tish but i kind of had a feeling you were going to go the route of picking a movie based around a book and you did in fact you picked I several did. and we had to narrow it down and i was like mm, maybe we'll just review one um
1: <laughs> i found a list of course
0: <laughs> yeah so yeah. that's uh um, i'm sure that's something like is that um I don't think you've read the book in this case, though. Uh, I know that I haven't.
1: I have not, and I wanted to watch to see if it was something that would make me want to read the book. That's something I kept in the back of my mind. I'm still undecided. Nonfiction is not my wheelhouse, and I'm currently reading Hidden Figures. I've seen the movie, but the, mo- the book is taking a very long time for me to work through, and it's because it's not my general genre that i enjoy science right. fiction fantasy so i'm plodding my way through that and i thought well i'd have to finish the book if we reviewed that movie so i picked a different movie
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and we just have no not tethered to the book in any way right yeah so um what uh, what uh, i guess what would you think uh in, initial thoughts you don't necessarily give your whole review up front but uh but going in this was this was your first time watching the film right Yes, it was. And do yes, you it was. like? I uh, I you I know we have a little bit of uh, experience with on the podcast here. Um, at least I do with a, a couple of movies based around books where I've read the book prior, mm-hmm. and um, I'm always uh, I'm always kind of interested in how like a bo- a movie can get across kind of the same try to get across the bare bones of the same story and the same overall purpose obviously having to, like, leave out so much. Uh, But I guess we don't have to... We don't have that to... We don't have that to really compare. Um, Is is it common for you to, like, watch a movie and and decide whether you want to read the book first? Because I I find, like, if I... There have been a few cases where I've watched, like, a movie knowing it's based around a book and then thought to myself, like, I don't know if I could read this book... Now that I've already seen the movie and know where things are kind of supposed to go, it feels like it would be like it's kind of like a like a sunk sunk cost. Is that is that the right term mm-hmm. for it?
1: I don't yes and no. I I think because there's a lot of controversy when it comes to creating a movie based on a book. Oh, but there's people always people are... that
0: are like, why would they leave this out, or like, hey, my f- favorite character was this, and you gave him like two lines. I've definitely felt that before, but then at the same time, I've thought like, you know what? Nobody wants to see like a direct. I think I think the the main movies I can think of that are kind of like a direct translation of basically basically using the book as a screenplay is like um, the first Harry Potter film, in particular, the mm-hmm. first one in particular, and it like it doesn't
1: work. It's super boring. Yeah, because when you're writing, a lot of what you write is descriptive and it's show don't tell right when you write so you need to explain what's happening without giving it all away you have to leave something to the imagination when you turn around and put it in a movie the imagination part is given over to the director and producer and the screenplay writer so it's not left up to the audience so much because they can see it yeah so i think that's where it would come yeah,
0: definitely. And I found, like, um, with that, uh, like, I recently just went through all the Harry Potter films, which I mentioned on the podcast here and there. But um, when I was watching the first one, I definitely felt like, you know, this, it, they're, they're just walking through, like, these crappy sets that look like a play, and they're just telling the... Everybody's just telling each other the, the plot. Because that's when you take a book... and Maybe that's it. When you take a book and you translate it directly from book to movie without, you know, making use of the fact that you're in a visual medium now, it's just a bunch of people explaining the plot to each other and it doesn't work as well.
1: In that case, maybe a narrator is important to tie it all together to make it less important for the characters to explain everything as they go through the motions. Maybe.
0: I don't know if that would have made it better or worse, but I think it's just, you kind of have to like, you kind of just have to change it up. You like not use all the dialogue from the book, make use of the fact that you've got visual um elements you can use to tell the story
1: but so to uh, take it back to the book over the movie i think the reason i would go in the opposite direction to what most people do most people do read the book first because usually the book is the inspiration for the movie in this case right so oh my headphones popped out kitty Oh, no. was visiting. Oh, kitty. (laughs) Yes, Jazzy is everywhere. But the thing that I wanted to touch on is that I wanted to see if the story in the movie made me curious enough to go read the book.
0: And what did you find in this case?
1: In this case, I think the story in the movie is enough for me um yeah it's a little bit i think the book and i'm not sure because i haven't read it but i think if the book is more description of his life i don't know if it would be something that i would enjoy reading right depending on the author who i haven't read any of her work before so i wouldn't know
0: that's that's how I feel in general. I think another uh, like to my point I was saying earlier, like another case was with Game of Thrones. I watched Game mm-hmm. of Thrones. I liked it when it was good. You know, the earlier seasons that everybody liked, I thought was was great. And everyone was telling me, "Oh, the books are great. The books are good. Go ahead and read the book." And I'm I'm sitting there thinking, like I just watched a whole season of television around this story like i don't want to go back and experience the same story again in book form like if i'm gonna read a book give me something i haven't seen before i guess i just i just don't don't feel myself making that commitment to taking like a week or more however long it takes me to get through the book to to, like when i know where it's going and and the other thing maybe maybe this is good fodder for the after hours more than anything but another thing is like after i've seen the movie and then i read the book now I can now I can't picture shit the way I want to now I'm picturing the actor who was in the movie and they have to be like the version of the character that I see and maybe it's not that way for everybody but it's like and I, and I just don't feel like I resent that like if I go back and and read this book here a beautiful mind that we did, which I'm sure I won't because um, i'm not I'm not big into like bios reading bi- biographies. Anyway, but if I were, I'd be thinking like, ah, I'm just picturing this guy as Russell Crowe, and maybe I don't want him to be Russell Crowe. Maybe he's got to be somebody else, but ah, uh, it's, it's over now. I've, the movie's ruined it for me. And that's a big detractor, I find.
1: Yeah. One of the things, too, is that... You mentioned Game of Thrones. The books are very different from the TV show. And I've noticed that, too, with the new Wheel of Time. I'm thoroughly enjoying... The Amazon Prime version of The Wheel of Time. Ah. I know it has the same controversy as every other show they do from a book, but um, one of the things that I am enjoying is they are taking liberties. But now I can go back and read the book because that series I've read twice already, and I'm getting ready to read it a third time. I really enjoyed the books about nine and ten. When you start nine, it gets a little slow and draggy okay. and it's a 14 book series. So like the Simpsons they're... then. Oh, season
0: nine is where it kind of gets, gets a little weak. And then by like 12 or 13, it's just like, there's nothing here
1: anymore. Oh, it didn't take that long. Halfway through book 10, it runs to the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, once you get through that tough part, you just.
0: I've had the first one down on again. my shelf forever, but yeah, I've, I've heard that. There's, I know that there's a lot of them and it's kind of a mixed bag, but maybe someday, I don't know.
1: Yeah, and there's a prequel, too. Um, I do like Brandon Sanderson picked up after Robert Jordan died, and he finished the series with all of Robert Jordan's notes and what his widow contributed, and I do think he did it justice. If he knew how it was going to end, he did a good job getting the reader from, you know, Book Nine. And, I mean, maybe in real life... Maybe that's when Robert Jordan was struggling the most with, most with his health. It may be that's why it slowed down there. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, that seems to be the way to go. Like George R. R. Martin's kind of like he's getting up there, and he's got some. So a lot of people are kind of like TikTok George. I mean, you're just a mortal man, and you promised us some more story here, but
1: yeah. Seems yeah, it's like I heard a common theme are, with some of those guys. People are looking for more to him. And now, funny thing about my husband, since we mentioned him earlier. Oh, yeah, that guy. He's halfway through the first book. And because he heard that all the characters he likes get killed, whether it's true or not, he doesn't want to read anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's gotta. <laughs> that's got to put a damper on things for sure.
1: Yeah. All right, so this movie...
0: Yes, let's talk a little bit about mind. this movie because we're not we're not one of them fancy book podcasts or nothing. Uh,
1: <laughs> so I did not do any research on the movie at all before I watched it. I knew Russell Crowe was in it. That was about the extent of what I knew going into it. So picture me starting this movie and. My thoughts were, I knew there was something to do with mental illness in the movie. But my thoughts were that it was Asperger's or autism they were focusing on. So wow. imagine my surprise when I found out it was...
0: When you find out like half the characters aren't actually real. schizophrenia. Yeah. Half the well, characters yes, are just illusions.
1: In that first half of the movie, I spent my time going, okay, who's the Russian spy? Is it this girl? Is it
0: that guy? Oh, yeah, because you're like, that's legit. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's something this movie does well, is it really, like, yeah. pulls the wool over your eyes pretty good. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that's uh, that was a... It was, it's a trip, like, for whatever you want to say about this movie. I was genuinely impressed how it really flipped the script and uh, had some pretty good twists and turns. Like, I, I think it played its hand really well. Okay. Um, I was at a little bit of an advantage uh, to you, I think, going in, because I knew it was... I knew John Nash is like a Jeopardy question that I would get sometimes. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. I knew he was a mathematician. I knew that he had paranoid schizophrenia. I knew Russell Crowe played him in this movie. But for me, like, that's about it. So I didn't have much more. I just... I knew what the correct... What the the actual mental illness was that we were dealing with.
1: If you think back to the opening sequence, the math... Mm -hmm. and him seeing the lines and the diagrams at the start when he insulted that man's tie yeah that led me to believe okay this is you know
0: that he might be like hyper focusing because he's on the spectrum
1: on the spectrum somewhere is where i thought it was going absolutely and i guess you can see that led me into that because he's like very
0: socially awkward and has trouble with eye contact and stuff too so yeah signs are there that's a that's a legit take to have before they kind of um they kind of have the big reveal um yeah. i will say this pat myself on the back a little bit i did kind of call it that um that paul bettany the, the who played the roommate i i kind of mm-hmm. called it that he wasn't real i remember looking at kayla and saying cuz she knew it was about schizophrenia too i was like that guy he's he's not real she's like him he's like he's a hallucination i was like oh yeah totally And then, uh, because you didn't see him like with the rest of his buddies, right? When he goes to the bar and he's drinking with his pals and they're trying to get girls and everything. Like, Paul Bettany's never there. Wait a second, no one said anything to Paul Bettany except him. And there was that one scene where he's looking on from the hallway and was like, okay, I've seen Fight Club. I know what's up. This is a a Tyler Durden situation we got on our hands. Um, So I got that one. Um, I I don't know how much else of it I called because like, Ed Ed Harris, like he plays the uh, the the government agent, right, who is at MIT and he comes in and he says uh, there's this abandoned warehouse and he brings him in there and he says, oh, yeah, the Soviets are working on a portable nuclear bomb. They're leaving messages in magazines and newspapers. We need you to decipher them. And then he leaves, uh, he goes and like leaves all the messages in the mailbox. And then there's Ed, there's one scene where Ed Harris shows up and is like, get in the fucking car. And then he's, (laughs) he's chased down by, they're chased down by the, by the Soviet agent firing guns at him and stuff. I, and all of that is, is, is fake. Like all of that is in his mind. And I didn't expect all of it to be. I thought that like, I, there was a point where I thought that like the Ed Harris guy was real. Um, and he was like, yeah. yeah, we need you to decode stuff, but maybe he's pushing it too far. Like, he's seeing stuff in magazines that's not there. And he, th- like, people that are looking at him, like, there's a lot of scenes where, you know, some some extras or somebody, there will be lingering shots on some people kind of looking at him before they leave. And, and he's kind of like, Oh, what's this about? And starts to get the paranoia starts to manifest itself, right? Yeah. That you never, and ends up being nothing. It was just like some guy minding his own business, but i was like okay that's definitely him making you know you know, him his paranoia manifesting but he probably does actually have this job like i didn't know that the whole job was fake and the guy was fake yeah
1: yeah when he was taken to the pentagon was that real
0: i think so i think yes because like the pet like I, I think it's like john nash did meet with some people at the pentagon maybe maybe not though who like who am i to say um, that led
1: credibility to the mit guy
0: Well, yeah, because there was, like, a precedent for it.
1: And he did notice when he was in that room, he asked who Big Brother was, and there was no answer. Now we know because there was no Big Brother watching in that scene, right? Yeah. But he asked more questions, so they didn't answer anything because it was security clearance, classified, whatever. So it was interesting to see that they wanted him, and that confused me a bit, too, because if they want you to explain something and then they don't tell you what it's for that's kind of dangerous as well (laughs) it's a little sketchy yeah because what if you're you know helping someone with something that they're going to take and use for something entirely harmful to someone else right
0: yeah um work games anyway i was i was just impressed with how well the movie kind of got me and um there were so like there were there were clues and hints and stuff like usually i go through my notes mm-hmm. and i i took down i take down some notes and observations but in this case for this movie a lot of my notes are kind of moot because they were based around things that didn't end up being true like um <laughs> so it got you <laughs> it, it got me but like in retro uh, to the point where like i'm looking back i can kind of see the framework of what they were doing like it was pretty uh pretty shocking when he comes in and uh that one scene we're talking about with uh, with him in the car, as the the Soviets chasing them and firing the yeah. gun through the window, and Ed Harris hands him a, hands him a pistol and he says, "Here, take this." And he's like, oh, "I'm not going to shoot anybody," and then he fires yeah. the gun instead. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, if this is what they're dealing with, you know, they're dealing with Soviet assassins. Like, is it really out of the question that they would have maybe given their guy some basic weapons training, like give him the basic training, take him to the gun range once or twice, kind of thing? But of course, like, it's all it's all bullshit. So, like, of course they wouldn't, yeah. like, because it didn't now, happen. Did you, but
1: did you catch in the end when he was in the psychiatric hospital and she brought him the classified letters? Mm-hmm. Not too long after that, he found out that one of his buddies that he got in the initial position was following him to find out what he was doing outside of work.
0: Yeah, because he was like, concerned so I'm wondering
1: about... if. Yeah, and I'm wondering if that's the incident where he was being followed, he was driving his car, and all this was happening in his mind, but the car that was following him wasn't the Soviets, it was his buddy, making sure he was okay, yeah, trying to I figure think out what he was doing.
0: I think that's likely, yeah. That's a likely yeah. explanation, and then that blows up in his head. I don't know, like, not definitely not an expert. I'm not, I, not even an expert <laughs> on movies, and I'm talking about movies all the time. I'm not an expert on <laughs> schizophrenia or, or psychology, so whether that's how it can, like something real like that happens and then he blows it out of proportion by the by hallucinating the stuff yeah i can i can see it i can definitely mm-hmm. see it but yeah this uh this movie did some pretty good uh some pretty good foreshadowing and i caught enough to know paul bettany was fake uh but yeah i didn't expect the entire soviet operation thing to be complete fiction so they <clears> definitely <throat> got me good there
1: and I don't know about you. I wrote down "New Freedom" because that was the name of the Russian spy gang that they were trying to track down. Mm-hmm. So I wrote that down. And I spent, you know, until I figured it out. I was like, "New Freedom? Are they in New Freedom for the first part of the movie?" Until I knew it wasn't real.
0: Right, <laughs> right. You're <laughs> like, "Oh no, this is like that's that's just nothing." But I'm sitting, you there, know, I'm sitting and... at home watching a movie. So I don't know, you know, it could be real. You show me <laughs> Russian Soviet spies in a movie. Well. I've seen James Bond.
1: Exactly. And it's not beyond the realm of what you would expect in a movie for there to be a plot line that includes. You feel so silly
0: afterwards, though. It's like, oh, man, I fell for it, too. Like, ah. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it does a good job. uh, It it does a good job of uh, another movie that we did on the podcast not too long ago. 12 Monkeys did a good thing as well, where Mm -hmm. it's like unreliable narrator, and it starts to make you question like, whether you know what's real in the movie or not.
1: Yeah. And the one that got me, really got me, was The Sixth Sense with Bruce Willis. I had no idea until the end. I think none of us did. That was... Uh...
0: Yeah, that was yeah. that's become, like, a, a meme. That's become, like, really trite and, and everything. But at the time, it was kind of an unprecedented move to have such a big yeah. twist. At least it wasn't something... Yeah. That film audiences were so used to. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's six cents. It'll get you.
1: Yeah, if you haven't seen it, you know, and it's well, it doesn't get everybody, but it it when it gets you, it really gets you.
0: Yeah, I think I think this day and age, it's kind of like at a disadvantage, right? Because modern film audiences are pretty literate in the language of movies. They're they're hard to people are hard to fool, right? Because but ironically, it's one of those ironic things. Like I think it's because of the Sixth Sense and how successful it was, and then Shyamalan's just trying to like basically replicate that kind of thing throughout his whole career. Um, yeah. And of course, other people have tried to copy him by having cool twists too. Um, that it's become kind of trite to 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 mess with people's expectations in a big twist like that. So it's like you know the, the Sixth Sense was so good at fooling everybody that it made it so now it can't fool anybody <laughs> because people are just wise to that stuff now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's something there. And it's, I, I didn't know. And I'm pretty sure Roy figured it out before the end. He's, he's really critical of movies and I think he did catch on.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh geez. Well, I was like 13 or something and uh, only went to the, went to see the sixth sense. Cause my, my buddies wanted to go. Yeah. It was it was so and so's birthday, so he had to pick, and so okay, fine, we'll go see what Tyler wants to see. I didn't even like I don't even I'm I'm too scared to watch yeah. horror movies right now. As a grown man yeah. at thirteen, I was just like, uh, I don't like this. So yeah, I didn't see any twists coming. I was just waiting to get out of there.
1: Yeah, I was about at the party when I reached for my phone. And at that point I was like, okay, I need to know what this, what's happening here in this movie. <laughs> right. now, I wouldn't have done that in theaters, right? If you're in the theater and you're watching, you're in the moment. But at home, I think that's when it, I was well, figuring out there was something off. Well, you must that's, have been... That's the point. You must
0: have been watching that way after it came out then, because I think it's, what, 1999 or something or 2000? The oh Sense no! I mean,
1: out? I mean, *A Beautiful Mind*.
0: Oh, okay, I see. Today's you. movie.
1: Um, when they were on their date, at, and she talked about the art and having all the colors. Mm-hmm. And he was seeing people, kind of watching them at the party.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, I was still. Is she a Russian spy?
0: Yeah, because you're thinking all this stuff. Are they that...
1: following him? Or are oh, they following her? There is no they. <laughs> that's, that's the whole yeah. point. <laughs> but at that point, and I was like, okay, I got to figure out what's going on here. Yeah. Well, that's kind of, I'm a little
0: jealous because I, I kind of would like to see the movie through your lens where you don't even know that the guy is schizophrenic and that there's even the, like, the point, like, even delusions being on the table, like, hallucinations even being, like, you know, yeah. on the menu. Um, but yeah, I guess I just didn't. The, uh, I didn't.
1: <laughs> I, I researched one other thing. I am a type 2 diabetic and I do take insulin. So when they mentioned part of the treatment involved insulin, I went, Wait a minute, what?
0: Yeah, and that was weird. I found I, that weird too. I was like, Insulin for? I looked
1: into it. I don't know if it's a current practice or not, but. I've read two things I didn't go too deep in it but one of them is they are inducing an insulin coma for the therapy and it's ECT but now they do the insulin but they also give glucose so that it's not a deadly reaction to having too much insulin in the body
0: okay well good (laughs) I'm all for that
1: but I'm, I'm not sure if it's still a practice or not and i didn't go too deep into researching it but yeah it, i heard it right and that's basically why i checked it i'm like insulin did i hear that right? what are they using insulin for
0: yeah i found that bizarre and then they're kind of it looked like they were inducing a seizure in him, like which
1: uh that was the electric shock therapy
0: okay I th- that's what i thought it was at first when they put stuff in his mouth but then they yeah. just injected with insulin, and I didn't see I didn't see him actually shock him. So, yeah, I was... I was
1: yeah, the seizure you saw was the electricity going through the body, and... Fair enough. I mean, it's something that... It does still happen today, but I don't know what the practice is, and I didn't want to go too deep into it. Yeah. But I do know that... There are know, some... I inst- think
0: I think there are some podcasts out there that people listen to for... for information about modern applications of electroshock therapy this is people know that this is not that so yeah
1: and that's that's all we'll say the other thing i did want to point out that i thought was really important was he went off his medication and that is common with people who have mental illness sure most of the people that do that it is because they feel okay and they don't think they need it anymore Mm mm-hmm With the character Russell Crowe played, he stopped taking it because he realized it was stopping him from doing his work. Yeah. And I would never advocate for someone to go off their medicine if it's for their mental health, especially cold turkey. It's something you should talk with your medical professionals about. But at the end of the movie, when, you know, I don't know if it was how close it was to him getting the Nobel Prize but he did say that he takes newer medications now, but he still sees his imaginary friends. Sure. So something I want to make sure that I talk about is that it's really important that if you're on these medications from a medical professional, you should not stop, not by yourself. Always do the advice with your medical professionals.
0: Yeah, agree hopefully yeah. Yeah, i mean hopefully hopefully if there's anybody fun. out there who needs to hear that then this is a weird podcast to hear yeah. it on but i <laughs> i too think that that's pretty good pretty sound advice uh we're a little ways into the podcast usually we get this out of the way sooner uh, i don't have jeff here to keep me in check but he i got some numbers for this movie um so uh we're dealing with a budget of 58 million dollars um which is fairly impressive for Back in 2001, but I guess it's on par. You know, there's not a massive special effects budget you need for something like this. Um, it got a return. It got a fairly decent return there with a gross domestic of uh, of over 170 million dollars, and worldwide it grossed th- uh, 313 million. So it definitely made its money back, yep. um, and was super well-received i wouldn't have expected it to be this well-received but we got the eight oscar nominations and uh they went home with four wins uh so it uh ron howard got best director and uh jennifer connelly got best supporting actress and then akiva goldsman uh took home the oscar for best adapted screenplay and the film itself won best picture which
1: like wait what so it, you're telling me that they took home four awards and Russell Crowe got none of them? He didn't get any Oscars.
0: He did get um I know he got a SAG award uh okay. for best actor from them. Um I don't have all the details right now, and I know this uh it won two Baftas and it won four Golden Globes. Um I don't know for sure whether he he was any of those. But he was the SAG award at least. Um, yeah. I was kind of surprised that it took home Best Picture because it's really kind of, like, it's fine. But, like, the year that it came out, like, this beat Lord of the Rings for Best Picture? I don't know. I've seen Lord of the Rings, like, ten yeah. times, and I still think it's awesome, and I'll probably never watch this movie again. Um, uh, and yeah, yeah and, and I was pretty surprised with the, uh, the scores, too. I only got the Rotten Tomato score here, but it's got a critic score of 74% and a very impressive audience score of 93%, which, again, really shocked me, because I don't hear, you know, movies only like 20 years old, 21, I guess, you don't really hear a bunch of people going like, oh, you know what's a great old classic that we all love? A Beautiful Mind, starring Russell Crowe. It seems like the kind of thing that just comes out around award season for Oscar bait, and like, wins a respectable amount of awards and then just fades into mediocrity but 93 percent, it's good
1: numbers it is and i wonder if that's based on the cast or the story
0: well uh both of them won oscars so i mean i don't know i mean i think that- the, the cast is great like Lot. yeah everyone's fantastic i don't think there's a a weak link in the in the whole cast um christopher as, Plummer was a nice surprise yes i'm, I'm always happy to see <laughs> christopher Plummer come up he's excellent uh we did knives out and he was uh he was fantastic um yeah as far as the story like I, as far as the story goes it's it's paced a little uh, a little uh not 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 to my liking, I guess. I find mm-hmm. that uh, the ending, like the last, the last few minutes, really drag on. This where it feels like the movie's over, and then they're just kind—they of, just kind of keep going. It, it, everything feels like it's okay. been resolved, and then it's just kind of like a slow burn to the end. So,
1: you know, it was really nice to see him connect with his former. Not enemy, but the person he was up against for the scholarships. His
0: rival, yeah.
1: Yeah, He had a rivalry going on with the guy. Yeah, and it was nice to see him at the end connect with him and have them become friends. Yeah. I thought that was a really good way to bring it in. And I was kind of sad that his roommate wasn't real because he was the life of the party. I enjoyed (laughs) his presence in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. He was a lot of
0: fun. <laughs> <laughs> he was the most fun guy in the movie.
1: And he he didn't was, exist. and I, I enjoyed his his character a lot. And I did write down a quote earlier that I think is definitely a quote that ties in with your podcast and our evening. Oh, I have respect good. for beer. I have respect for beer.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, we definitely yes. have respect for beer around these parts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was a quote early on in the movie, and I thought, you know what, that's kind of cool. I like that, and I wrote it down.
0: <laughs> it's another thing that's like in retrospect is just to <laughs> kind of like imagine being someone on the outside looking in as uh, as John Nash is kind of writing his equations over the wall and then just mumbling to himself, and then just kind of suddenly storms out, going, "I have respect for beer." Uh, yeah, <laughs> to to nobody. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it kind of feels like he may, created his roommate out of necessity because he kind of kept him balanced and in check, you know what I mean, as he's obsessing over his yeah. work and his, his fictional roommate was the guy to be like, hey man, you should eat some food. Maybe, you know, just go out for a couple drinks and clear your head kind of thing. But
1: And I want to give a, a shout out to Dr. Seuss, whose book appeared later on in the movie when he was back on campus and the niece the imaginary girl, was Mm -hmm. holding a Dr. Seuss book. I think it was Green Eggs and Ham.
0: I believe you're correct. And he was walking
1: by and ignoring her because that was at the point where he was with his life and disease and how he was managing it.
0: I'm surprised it was Green Eggs and Ham. I wonder if there's anything to that. I'm surprised just because Ron Howard, um, the year prior to this famously, I think the year prior around there, directed uh, the Jim Carrey's Grinch Ah. So why not have it how the Grinch stole Christmas to kind of tie in? But yeah, I don't know. Probably because it's not seasonal. I,
1: enjoy, I enjoyed the Lorax.
0: <laughs> the The film, yeah, the animated film. I I've seen bits and pieces. I think that's pretty good.
1: Yeah. It's Danny uh, DeVito, favorite part right? is the Lorax. No, it's animated. and I don't know who who did what in there. I just remember. I think the it was fish? Danny DeVito. The fish going with the bed up the river and the Mission Impossible theme was playing in the background. That was
0: hilarious. I'm going to say it's Danny DeVito. I'm just (laughs) going to make that. We don't... uh, It's another important part of our podcast is we don't uh, fact check things. Okay. So it gives you a way to like confidently... Assert (laughs) that... No, no, not like during recording. Beforehand, sure. Like, you know, we're not well researched, but we'll do research beforehand. But, you know... It's mainly just so if we're arguing about who's who's right about this or that, then no one gets proven right or wrong. Yeah. Anyway, we it's 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 gotten us this far, so we're keeping it. But uh, yeah, I don't have as as far as this movie goes. The only other thing I wanted to say, which is kind of apropos of nothing, is uh, Jennifer Connelly's uh, old lady makeup looks horrible. Yep. Um, Russell Crowe's looks okay, like, kind of like, old old person makeup always looks kind of weird, I, I don't think they ever got the hang of like, uh, now, now they just digitally age people, but I don't think they ever got the hand, hang of like, really convincing old person makeup, but hers especially, like, she had yeah. the big hair, the bushy eyebrows, and I feel like she kind of looked like Beethoven, it's literally like, like that's a painting of Ludwig von Beethoven that I've seen before, she didn't, the skin tone
1: the makeup was just way
0: off she didn't have yeah the bottom half of her face didn't have any wrinkles i yeah can't do it jennifer collie is a beautiful woman uh but she just looked very silly in that makeup
1: yeah and segue into old person makeup if you watch this is us they do a very good job of aging the cast back and forth i don't know how much is digital but i do and it it works for that show
0: I I don't watch This Is Us, but maybe I'll maybe I'll just check out their special effects makeup at least.
1: The, the writing is amazing on that show. The series finale is tomorrow. I will not be okay. Oh. <laughs> because it's going to be an emotional end to an emotional roller coaster show. Oh boy. Well. Yeah.
0: I I wish you luck as you as you plow through that. I hope. Yeah, ended-
1: last week should have been harder than this week is what they're saying so we'll see
0: we shall see well what do you say we uh we move on to our kind of our final thoughts here our our ratings okay if you want i've briefed you on our our super fun super cool three and a half star rating system so yeah. um you can just give like if, if you want to just kind of summarize your your thoughts or opinions on the film as a whole and let us know what your rating is
1: okay uh the movie misled me at the beginning because i wasn't quite sure what was happening which added to the story and made it interesting to watch to find out what was going to happen and at the end of the movie something came to me that's been on my mind in the last little bit i want to know how to win a nobel prize so seeing that happen in the movie kind of reminded me of that and it's something i'm going to have to research on my own
0: oh could i should i give you a pen because it seems to be mainly being gifted a, a a number
1: of pens. And he was being considered at that point. But the number of pens related to his professorship, I thought. I didn't think the first round was about being given a Nobel Prize.
0: I'll give you a pen anyway, and, and hopefully it helps you get there. <laughs> it can't hurt, I'll right?
1: <laughs> I'll take
0: it. Not one of my of. good pens, though, because I don't have a lot of them. And um, I, got, I got one that doesn't write real well and you have to like shake it a lot and and it still kind of blots a bit. So you can, you can have that one. I was just going to throw it out anyway.
1: I'm sure I can put it to use on a rough draft of something.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're welcome.
1: And, you know, I overall enjoyed the film, even though because it was real, some of it was too real at times and that's just life. So, my score is one point nine three stars. Oh,
0: excellent! Uh, you, you took right to the uh, the double decimal system too. That's good, cool to see. <laughs> we don't see that often with with first time guests. I don't think I'd have to go back and review our stats. Um, we
1: weren't. Well, I mean, far if off. the movie was about if the movie was about pi, it would have been three point one four. But there was no pi at all in that movie
0: bra brava uh <laughs> all right well i guess uh for for my uh part here um this is the kind of movie that i usually kind of hand wave away you know like overly dramatic obvious oscar bait um, especially when it's uh, like a biopic biopics in general i find like it's it's hard to kind of pace them um as a story with a beginning middle and end because that's not really how like a person's life works. You know what I mean? Like, So yeah. I, I feel like they're at a disadvantage there. And I definitely felt that with this movie. Uh, the first two-thirds, I, I would say, is, was pretty cool and very exciting. And I was pretty shocked. Even though I knew what was coming up, I knew what his diagnosis was going to be. I was surprised at how much they were able to to pull one over on me. So respect there. Um, the last bit of this, like it just kind of fizzles. The story just kind of fizzles. And then you just see him kind of getting older as he's as he's doing his thing on princeton and and it felt like uh i i would have liked this movie a lot more if it ended sooner like maybe if it ended with him going back to treatment and his wife being like oh well i'm so happy and then and then kind of yeah so that's uh i guess that's what i liked and didn't like and i gave it a pretty close rating to yours tish i gave it uh 1.97 stars
1: you like it just a smidge more than I did. Just a just a tad, yeah. I was trying to be critical.
0: Trying to be, I'm imagining you writing like three point five for, th- and then and then, Roy just standing next to your desk and like giving you a head shake, and you're just like, okay, lower rating. Until he's just like, mm-hmm, and like nods, like, okay, that's fair.
1: Now, if he was in on the scoring system and watched it. I don't know what he'd give it for a rating, because I don't think he's seen it either. Maybe we'll have him on next. Oh, you never know. Oh, he'd be very critical. Yeah, good. And different than me, he really enjoys tearing apart B-rated sci-fi movies. Oh, excellent. I like watching movies to enjoy the movies. He likes tearing those kinds of movies apart.
0: Perfect. Okay. have to work something out with him. But anyway, I think that's going to do it for our episode uh of the podcast here. We hope you enjoyed listening to A Beautiful Mind, um or our review on a beautiful mind. And uh thanks again to Tish McWeber for being with us. Tish, it was a delight to have you here. Thanks for coming. You'll have to come back sometime.
1: It would be my pleasure. Thanks for having me and I look forward to joining you again.
0: One more time. Where uh where can people find your your stuff? I know you got uh like we talked about, you're a multifaceted individual with your finger in a lot of pies, so where uh, where can people find your book, your website, whatever else is out there that uh, that you put out?
1: So my books are available on Amazon or Draft2Digital for the ebook on my first book. The my author page on Amazon is a good place to look. Tish MacWeber is my author pen name, and when we're looking at what I do for writing, I have been working back up to writing for my blog, which you can find at tishmackweber.com. I'm working on Tishpiration Creations, Inc. as a graphic design business with of course, a plot twist. It's going to also have a clothing section and a way to work with me as the Tishpiration expert.
0: Baller. Alright, so check it out, especially if you like talking cats, uh, if you feel the need to get Tish-spired, uh, then uh, then check out Tish's stuff. And you can check out our podcast on all the regular haunts. You know, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, all the big places, as well as our main kind of home base on Anchor. So this has been the belated pod... Uh, belated, what, what has this been? I don't even remember. This has been the belated box office podcast. Uh, thank you guys for listening and have a good one. Cheers.